You are listening to I Doubt It with me, your host, Jesse Dolliman, a podcast dedicated to free-thinking discussion, ideas, skepticism, but most importantly, a good time. Ready to do this, episode 41 of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your host, Jesse Dollamore, and sitting gracefully across from me, unlike me who just spilled my drink right when I hit record, like a moron, um, is Brittany Page. That was fun to watch. <laughs> I am a fucking mess. Uh, it makes me wonder if this is going to be a, a, a harbinger of what's to come. Mm. You like that? Harbinger? Yeah, I don't know what that means. <laughs> it's a bad omen, maybe. So anyway, we, we appreciate you listening. Thank you very much. We we love and appreciate every single one of you who takes, I would assume, at least two hours out of your week each week to listen to us. We uh, That's being very... Yeah, people probably skip over the parts of the show they hate, so it's like, probably less than two hours. Like me spilling my drink. Yeah. <laughs> So a uh, little piece of housekeeping. Hopefully you're not, you've not skipped over this because we kind of stopped doing all the bullshit at the beginning of the show. But Amazon.com, there's a link on the page. If you're going to spend your money anyway, go there, buy a book, buy uh, some extra absor- absorbent paper towels for when you spill your beer at the beginning of your show. The Amazon link on Dollamore.com. Oh, on Dollamore.com. That's right. So we, we do absolutely appreciate you listening. In other news... I've got a neighbor who has a very distinct laugh. Yes. Th- there's really no way to segue into it, so I just I'm just fucking jumping off the cliff. And he he has a very distinct laugh and when we've had people over, they, you know, we have the the back door, the sliding glass door open and his laugh cuz they hang out in their fucking garage, his laugh just reverberates into my place and his laugh is something like ha ha <laughs> like a perfect ha ha that you would hear in a text message it's like nelson from the simpsons without without the the high pitched you know ha ha it's kind of like that except it's ha ha yeah every time yeah sometimes it'll be ha <laughs> so What's funny about it is everybody who comes over, they've heard me talk about this guy, and then they always, well, they always think I'm... Exaggerating. Totally exaggerating and not giving it straight. Well, because, you know, I don't always give it straight. (laughs) Oh, wow. So, So anyway, they hear him when they come over, and then they are fucking astonished at how accurately I portrayed the laugh. Yeah. And invariably also what happens is they will imitate it but they'll do it super loud and so you get concerned that maybe how he's, it comes well, through here it goes right. down there that they're gonna hear it because they always hang out in the garage like a bunch of fucking hoodlums out there yeah and i'm afraid they're gonna hear it and come up and there's gonna be a confrontation it's a legitimate concern i think and Brittany has this weird thing where well, one, she has no ability to modulate her voice. It is fucking loud as shit 
all the time. Her laugh. Let's not your voice, but your laugh. Yeah. You, you don't. You don't have the ability to control whether your your laugh is quiet, teehee. Yeah. Or. <laughs> well, you know what? When I really think something is funny, then I just I just let it go, like Ricky Gervais. You know, right. <laughs> we're we're kind of similar in that way. It's unfortunate. Yeah, well, it, it, but it's very fun. It's endearing, and everybody loves it. Yeah, about you, hopefully. But I just learned while we were talking about all this, Brittany has something that I also share, and it's this weird imitating type of thing. Yeah, if someone has like a really unique voice or a unique thing about the way that they talk, sometimes I will adopt that temporarily well, while talking to them. Tell the story about when you answered the phone. I was 16 when this happened, so kind of give me a little leeway about how douchey I behaved. And my boyfriend at the time, his dad called my house, and I answered the house phone. It, it sounds like I'm telling a story from the 1950s. Who has a house phone anymore? I know. And I answered the house phone. <laughs> was it a phone. rotary dial? It probably was a rotary dial. No, it wasn't. <laughs> um, I answered the phone. And he has the deepest voice that I've ever heard in my life. And he said, hello, this is so-and-so. Can I please speak to your mom? And I said, yes, just a second. And I, like, <laughs> mimicked his super deep voice. And I was I was super embarrassed. I pulled the phone away from my face. And I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe I just did that. That's really bad. <laughs> And I handed the phone off to my mom. I said, uh, he wants to talk to you. And then we laughed and laughed about how much of a douche I was. It's, in sales, they they prescribe, there's kind of a technique where you mimic the person's behavior to whom you're selling. Yeah. And having been in sales for, for many, many years in my life, I I don't know if this just got programmed into me or if... If it's just my nervousness about doing it that causes it to happen, but I have been guilty of this thing I'm getting ready to say many, many times. And it's if I'm dealing with a customer who has a pronounced stutter. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah, it's bad. Uh oh. There are people who have stutters that are, would you like, very debilitating. No, oh, it's a terrible, terrible affliction. Yeah. But if I'm talking to them, I end up. Well, you know, let me do the do, and I'll fucking start stuttering. Uh, and I don't, I'm mortified because I don't want it to seem like I'm making fun of them. Of course. But it's sometimes it's gotten so bad where I just have to go with it like I too am a stutterer. Oh my gosh. It's <laughs> fucking ridiculous. Yeah, that's not good. You need to get that under control. Well, I, See, I, I just mimic deep voices. Being not in that business anymore, being not in that business anymore, it doesn't matter because I, I don't, uh, I don't worry about it. It doesn't. It doesn't affect me. But while in it, it was, it was a bummer. Yeah. Scary. Always dreading I was going to end up with. You know, it's not like if I have a customer who's who has a limp that I all I start limping. It's just the stuttering thing that always. And maybe it happened one time, and then it got in my head that oh shit, that's what's going to happen from now on. And then because I was worried about it, it it happened. So hopefully you get your act together next time you talk to a stutterer. Yeah, I'm going to, it's a shit show. So I tell you what, in the news this week, there has been a whole bunch going on. Um, we 
we were out dinking around uh, this week, and we were listening to the radio, and a story came on about a creepster who was dropping off dolls on people. This is a local story for us. Dropping off dolls that very much resembled the young girls that lived in the house, and they were just being dropped off on the front porch of these homes. And I remember thinking, well, I'm not thinking. I remember saying to Brittany, this is straight out of a fucking crazy TV shit series. This is like an NCIS. Yeah, and that's kind of how it was being reported at first, too, is that, I mean, they, they didn't know what was going on. The parents had received these porcelain dolls. You know, people are afraid of porcelain dolls. Yeah, they're creepy. Yeah. Just, just the way they look is creepy. You know, they're still life. And they're horror movie-esque. Yeah, and so we, when we first heard the story, we're like, wow, is some serial serial killer leaving porcelain dolls on the lawns of little girls and modeling them, like, to look like the little girls? And, I mean, it, it like was... Like a calling card before they come back to kill the kid. Yeah, it was so <laughs> fitting with how a horror movie is. And so it turns out, though, that... The person that was leaving these dolls on the lawns and making them look like the little girls was someone from their church. All of these people that this happened to had gone to the same church with this woman. Well, it points to good detective work on the San Clemente Police Department or Orange County Sheriff's Office, whoever did the investigating. Well, the woman came forward. Oh, is that what it was? Yeah. After delivering a few of the dolls, the woman noticed on social media that some of the families were frightened, and so she stopped leaving the dolls, and <laughs> she, you know, came forward and she said she just felt really embarrassed because that's not what she expected to happen, and no charges have been filed, and they're just chalking it up to an act of goodwill gone wrong. Yeah, for sure. It is a little weird that she would... Surprise. <laughs> yeah, she said that she felt like some of the girls would enjoy the dolls. And that's probably true. They would have, but we've seen too many horror films. You can't yeah. just do that kind of stuff. It is kind of unfortunate, too, I guess, that we automatically jump to a negative conclusion. But, I mean, what else are we supposed to think? We've well, seen when the Scream. doll resembles the... D yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's, it's fucking weird. Yeah. I would be creeped out. It, well, we were very creeped out. I was... I remember talking about it and being like oh shit this is holy fuck this is creepy yeah creepy it's such a it's such an apt descriptor of what it is yeah it's fucking it, they were creeped out yeah and she the woman hasn't been identified i wonder if she's been identified to the families or now when they go to church they have to like look at everybody and look at each <laughs> other and wonder who was that creeper well our, your response you you said if this was me I would be on my porch with a shotgun at all hours of the of the day and night. Yeah, I'm... waiting for the perpetrator to come back to try to murder your kid. Yeah. It's I would have been on high alert. <laughs> I've seen too many movies, I'm telling you. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, but it's not a normal thing for you for you to get a doll that's dressed just like your daughter and then well, since and, I don't have a daughter, yes. Well, you know what I mean. Yeah. Th this dress just like your kid. Yeah. And then, or the kid you don't have, and then your neighbors, you know, or the people you go to church with, they're like, hey, you know, this is weird. We had a we had a doll dropped out that looks just like our kid. Yeah. Holy shit, that happened to me. And then there's a, what do you think's going on? Fuck, your imagination's naturally going to run wild. For sure. So that, that happened. Yeah. <laughs> 
another article that we read this week is I love it. It it's it's kind of a, it's a diss that happened, but it's very heartwarming to me. It's Eric Stone Street is an actor who plays Cam, a gay guy on Modern Family. He's the big flamboyant gay guy. He's the He's not gay in real life, right. but he plays the most flamboyant gay man on that show. Or maybe on TV right now. Yeah, he... <laughs> well, yeah, for sure on the show. <laughs> he, like, screeches and yells, and he's just a hilarious character. Great character, and a, the actor is straight. Oh, yeah, he's yeah. very straight. I've I've only seen him ever talk about sports, I think. I think he played college football. I mean, he's he, he's also a big, you know, big guy. Yeah, he's a big guy with a normal voice, and he is very straight, but he plays... A guy with a high-pitched voice, yeah. very flamboyant. Or it's funny. It gets high-pitched when he's Yelling. alarmed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but in this article, it talks about how he, how much somebody interviewed him, and he talked about how much he loves the the White House correspondence dinner. He loves attending it. He thinks it's really fun, and he said that one of the main reasons he likes attending the White House correspondence dinner is to see politicians for who they really are, and he often gets shocked apparently at who approaches him. And he said Rick Santorum wanted a picture with me. It was at a time when he was publicly saying gay marriage is wrong. And I'm like, you know, I can't do it. He said it was him and his kids or something like that. And I said, I'd be happy to take a picture with the kids, but I just can't be in a picture with Rick Santorum. So I think it's awesome because he shit right in that guy's mouth. Yeah. So, you know, we all know who Rick Santorum is. We talk about him a lot on the podcast. He's definitely a hater of the gays. Yeah. And Eric Stone Street told him what's up. Well, it's interesting to me because having worked on Capitol Hill, I left the Marine Corps because I don't know if anybody knows or if I've ever mentioned. I probably never mentioned it on the show, but Jesse was a Marine. I was in the United States Marine Corps. (laughs) But after I left the Marine Corps, you know, I I left there with this sense of obviously a sense of duty and, and patriotism for my country. And when I left the Marines, I went almost directly to work for Capitol Hill, for the Senate, for the United States Senate. And I, getting there, I was, I was starstruck because I've always been kind of into politics and interested in how we run our country and different politicians. I mean, that, those were my celebrities. Yeah. And getting there, I had this very regimented idea that Republicans were the ones who loved America and Democrats, they hated America. They were socialist. Oh, they wanted to just tear America down. And it was it was a very eye opening turnaround, and it was a it was a transformation, very tr- transformative time in my life because people like the late Paul Wellstone from Minnesota, the guy who died in a plane crash, a, a very liberal socialist, I would call him. Um, I thought he was an evil hater of america and he was a beautiful man one of the nicest most wonderful caring loving human beings i've ever met an awesome guy and then people like god i don't want to malign people on the show yeah fuck it whatever christopher shays from connecticut a congressman from connecticut in my opinion was a worthless piece of shit wow a total asshole pete domenici from new mexico I was not a fan after I met him. John Ashcroft, former senator from Missouri and former attorney general for George W. Bush, was 
one of the most arrogant pricks I've ever met in my life. So all these people that you're mentioning that you didn't oh. like, it's just their attitude? Well, attitude, well, you... You, not necessarily their belief system, like Eric Stone Street rejected the picture with Santorum and distanced himself from him because of his belief. But you're saying these people That's act right. differently. Well, Eric Stone Street said that he likes going to that thing because he gets to see politicians for who they really are and get yeah. to really see them. And it was it was very. I mean, look, there, I'm not saying that all the Democrats were wonderful people. There were a lot of pieces of shit. Yeah. But it was just it was transformative for me from the perspective of getting to see people who I thought would be wonderful people who ended up being not wonderful. It caused you to check your privilege, as it were. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> it was a natural checking of the privilege. It was, a, I, actually, we should, we should get into a thing one time where I tell some Capitol Hill stories because there are some good ones. Christopher Shea, the aforementioned Christopher Shea, uh, threw his cell phone at me as hard as he could, and I got out of the way. I didn't care. You know, I wouldn't allow him to take it onto the floor of the Senate. Mm -hmm. And he threw his cell phone at me, and I just got out of the way, and it smashed against the wall. Wow. Fuck that guy. I mean, terrible. That's some serious hostility. Yeah, well, that's they. there's this weird feeling of entitlement. And yeah, anyway, I, I, we should have a show one time where we kind of just volley back stories, and that would be a... That would that would be some very good ones there. I it's one of my regrets is not writing a uh, having a journal because I could have written one hell of a of an awesome book. Oh, I bet based on my different experiences there. Yeah. So in more serious news, and we 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 had we had talked about um, bringing up this this issue many 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 episodes ago, and we've just landed on it because it's such a complex. It's really not a black and white. I think this lady's attitude is shitty. But anyway, I'm not going to talk about everything and then not give you what it is. It's a woman who is offering money to drug addicts if they will volunteer for to be sterilized so they can't have any more kids. Yeah, an American charity that pays drug addicts to get sterilized has expanded its operation into Great Britain. Barbara Harris, the founder and head of Project Prevention, has paid 3,600 American drug addicts $300 each to get sterilized or undergo other long-term birth control procedures. And this article is from 2010, so she's likely sterilized or given long-term birth control to much more than that. Because her website is still active. Yeah. Quote, I really don't understand the controversy or people who oppose what we do, she said. I think a lot of people should realize they're never going to be good parents and never have children. If I had enough money, there wouldn't be any pregnancies for drug addicts, she said. It's weird. It, it's one. Well, one is it, it, I don't think it's so black and white because not all drug addicts are going to be terrible parents. But then... I don't know that her position is is because there's still the possibility of passing on that genetic trait. Yeah, I think when she says, I think a lot of people should realize they're never going to be good parents and never have children, that is correct, For 100%. Sure. But it's not just drug addicts. But she's also not, yeah, that's what I was just going to say. She's also not offering the $300 to people who are just shitty parents. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's for sure not just drug addicts. And when I say it's not just drug addicts, I don't mean that. I agree with what she's saying here, that all drug addicts need to be sterilized. 
um, there's plenty of drug addicts that have recovered mm-hmm. and that are no longer using, that are no longer taking part in their addiction. By all accounts, Robert Downey Jr. is a guy who a is great example. doing, he's working the program, He is he's still an addict technically, but he's not using, and it's been many, 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 many years since he's used. Yes. So they go on in this article to talk about how her work has been controversial. One person said it's exploiting people. The chief executive of a drug rehabilitation home for women and children called 125 says, The women we work with, due to the drug addictions, are not in sound minds to be making such life-changing decisions. Like many, she also criticized Harris's cash incentive for addicts, saying they're going to see that money as drugs. That money will go straight into the pockets of drug dealers, pimps, and controlling men. One former British drug addict who wished to keep her name private said when she heard about this program, she became angry. The woman got pregnant while using crack and heroin, and her now five-month-old daughter is healthy and and thriving. Quote, it's saying that they can't change their lives. They can't be anything other than a drug addict. If you say drug addicts shouldn't be parents, maybe sick people shouldn't be parents. Maybe poor people shouldn't be parents. Uh, maybe they shouldn't. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm teasing to a degree, but a lot of that's true. That I, uh, Listen, I fully agree that offering money to people who are oftentimes like a skid row drug addict who's looking, searching out their entire life is one fix to the next, one high to the next. They're constantly on the lookout for money and ways to get money to buy drugs. So if you offer up money to someone who's an active drug, drug abusing drug addict, they're going to take advantage of that and they're going to go through their procedure. So there's a lot of merit to that. But there's also a lot of merit, and I'm, I haven't decided either way whether this is good or bad. So don't – if you're going to send the emails, send them to Brittany. Excuse me. <laughs> I haven't decided either. How dare you? Well, I don't want the emails. That's just what oh, I'm okay. saying. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, it's funny. Both, both the emails on the, uh, on the webpage, they lead to the I Doubt It account. So, fuck, whatever. So send them away. Fuck, who cares? Yeah. Is a lot of people are, are – contributing to the ills of the planet by having many, many, many children. Of course. Because, I mean, I look around here and we don't have the largest poor population in Orange County, but there are areas where people are just fucking having kids one after the other after the other after the other with no ability to take care of them. Yeah. I definitely... It's it's really hard, you know, but there are people that shouldn't have kids. I agree with that. And whether it be because of, you know, how they are currently doing in their own life, how stable their own life is um, when it comes to their income, their education, their ability to provide, you know, it, it's it shouldn't be that... Um, I I don't necessarily feel like having a kid is... A right, mm. you know. Yeah, well, I, I kind of, I, I don't think it's a right. I think using the word right, you know, as though it's, it's you have this right to do so, but it is a biological determinism that you are be, because you're human, you're you possess. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if right is the right word. I'm just, I don't think that. 
a lot of what I see is people having kids and thinking, well, this kid is now my property mm-hmm. and I have something to love me. A yeah. lot of broken no, no. people, especially I see that for sure. A lot of broken people, especially that I see have, you know, posts about, well, now I have this kid to love me and to be my friend. And they think of a kid is like their property. And what really happens when you have a kid is that you have created another human being that that needs to be raised in a way that will make it a contributing member to society, to society, not just for itself, but for other people as well. Yeah. So that we can all live peacefully and productively, yeah. you know? And so I think one of the positive things about what she's saying is that, you know, she's not forcing anyone to get sterilized and everyone who has decided to get sterilized in her project prevention has already had children. And she also says she's happy if people choose long-term birth control options like IUD, but she says if people want to get sterilized, it's an acceptable choice. In the past, she's had women call her complaining that they've been denied sterilization because of their young age, and she believes that if doctors do that, that they should have to pay child support, which is obviously ridiculous. Yeah, completely out of bounds. So she seems a little too quick to kind of be judgmental of drug addicts and not place a lot of emphasis on recovery for drug addicts. And she's also singling out drug addicts when, you know, people with mental illnesses yeah i mean drug addicts and mental illness it's it's a condition that they have so do you want no mentally ill people to have kids i mean where where do you draw the line at this point ultimately my whole problem with this argument and it is it is a a scary situation going down this road because you end up in like nazi eugenics type of territory and we're getting there just via technology we're getting there anyway where you know if they're talking about being able to switch on or off different genes for the kid you're going to have eventually we're going to be there I and mean, we're approaching there now but soon we're going to be in the thick of it and only the rich will be able to afford genetically designed children and so you're just by the virtue of economy and just by virtue of of the classes and how much money you have, you're going to be able to choose to have a genetically quote unquote superior child, and the poor people will just do be doing it the old fashioned way, and th- their kids won't be as smart on average. They won't be as physically healthy. They won't be generally as well rounded people genetically. And I think that's the important thing that the conversation needs to focus on what's best for children. And we shouldn't have to be afraid of talking about what is best for children and what the best parents are for children. I agree with that. And if someone is a drug addict or comes from previous childhood abuse or has issues, those things need to be dealt with before having a child. Yeah. Because the child is going to have to suffer the burden. But it's at whose behest does it have to be taken care of? That That's the problem. It's obviously what we need to do is create a tone in our society where it's acceptable to say, hey, listen, you're having a quinceanera where your daughter's turning 15 and you're giving her lingerie as a fucking present. That's a cultural problem that she's not a woman yet. She's not 
so then she starts having sex and then she has a kid when she's a teenager and it, it creates a cycle of poverty and a cycle that we don't want in a modern society. I mean, obviously this would turn to religion and it's based kind of on religion and religious practice, that cultural practice, but it's not just in that culture. It's many, many others where kids are having kids. Yeah. And that's why it's not, I mean, I remember in high school, there were people that got pregnant in high school and when I was a senior in high school. And I remember the reaction among the friends of these people that got pregnant was excitement and, oh, how cute you're going to have a baby. Yeah, fuck that. And I remember thinking, uh, we aren't even 18 yet. You are in high school. Right. You have not had the opportunity to get an education. What are you going to do for a job? Where they start, they announce the pregnancy on Facebook, and then it's this litany of fucking congratulatory messages. It's not congratulation. It's, oh, fuck, what have you done? Yeah, it's just that people should be more concerned for the child. Absolutely. It, it, it's good to be excited, especially when you're bringing a child into a positive situation, but... You know, if someone gets pregnant in high school, of course, we shouldn't get angry with them or make them feel bad, but they need to realize this is a serious situation. You're bringing another person into the world right. who can be broken and add to the quotient of sorrow or add to the the overall goodness of our planet and our world. Yeah. And you are responsible for making that happen. Right. I mean, there's something to be said for making the best out of a bad situation. So some of those congratulatory, I, I think, uh, it's, I guess it's okay, but we shouldn't celebrate, oh, what a wonderful thing that you're bringing a baby into the world. Oh, you're 15 or 16. Oh, it's so great. That, that shouldn't be the message that we send. There should be some, and I'm using this word, it's probably not the right word, but there should be some condemnation. There should be some, yeah, this is a bummer. You definitely made a mistake. It's the problem I think a lot of people have with programs like Teen Mom or whatever the fucking name of that show is on MTV with Dr. Drew. I think that and I don't I don't agree necessarily with condemning it. And obviously, well, there, like I said, wrong word. Yeah, obviously, there are statistical anomalies. You know, I am one. And so I understand that people can come from situations where they're a product of a teenage pregnancy, product of uneducated parents, product of addicted parents, and they can rise above it and be successful. But the statistics are not on our side. They're vastly not on our side. And it's hard to do that. And so someone can say, you know, like these these people in this article that say, well, my I was smoking crack and doing heroin, but my baby's healthy now. Okay, well, great. I'm so happy that that happened. Good for you. Good for your But, baby. you know, there are babies where people use crack and heroin and they are born addicted and they have problems and it's really bad and it's not a good situation. So you are a statistical anomaly. Don't talk about your situation as if, well, this is what is going to happen for everybody. It's anecdotal. Yeah. It, the, here's, the, here's the deal. Here's what it boils down to. It's not about being an addict and having a kid. And it's not about being a 15-year-old girl and having a kid. And it's not, it's not about these different things. It's about poverty. What is going to give your child the best head start in life? Is it you going to college and getting a job and having a kid at 26 when you, when you have a stable income, 
with a retirement plan and you can squirrel away money for them to go to college and you can send them to good schools or is it having a kid at 15 and having to go work at a fucking Wendy's and flip burgers and only make minimum wage the rest of your life because you never have the time or the money or the energy to go to school to better yourself, which is in turn going to better your kid's life. Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, being a kid that came out of a negative situation, my life would have been much easier and much better had my parents been educated before they had kids yeah. and had jobs before they had kids, you know. Right. So it's not even it's not about the education and it's not even about the it's about it like I just said, being able to provide. It's it's yeah, it's it's the level of it's the poverty, which is unfortunately something that politicians don't look at as a root cause they want to malign people who are on welfare and malign people who are earning minimum wage which look we could have a whole discussion on minimum i'm not for a government controlled minimum wage i'm not for that but don't malign these people let's let's ch that's that's the the that's the root cause of almost everything that ails us from crime to teenage pregnancy to you name it, it's poverty. Yeah. And so that is that is the root cause. And so we need to advocate for what will help that root cause. And, you know, once people are in that situation, then yes, they need help with welfare and all that. But how about we think about what can prevent people from needing welfare? Yeah. And it's postponing having kids, delaying gratification, if you will. Yes. It's about making the right choice for your kids, for your future children. You don't want them to suffer. You don't want them to struggle. You don't want them to, you know, be in a situation that you might have been in. And a lot of these people that get pregnant early, you know, come from a situation where that was that happened to well, them. Well, it's also they weren't educated, so they're not thinking clearly because they're not as smart. Yeah, it's all a cycle. So, Everything's a cycle. So these these young girls, they're broken and they don't feel complete. So, oh, what do I do? I'm going to have a kid. That'll make me feel better. And having a kid is not about making you feel better or making you complete. Having a kid is about creating a family and creating healthy, productive people to enter our society and further the world in which we live. Yeah. So this lady who runs this foundation might be a little, you know, on the crazy side. I mean, not crazy, just a little too fanatical, I guess. I, that's perfect. Well, listen, I think I just made up my mind. I think she's doing this for the wrong re for the right reasons, but she's doing it the wrong way. Because I don't, I think it's so delicate an issue that there's really no, you can't throw money at this fucking thing. Yeah. Just, she's being a little ridiculous. People, what, what's pe her website? Projectprevention.org. Hmm. So check that out. And you sound off, not you, Brittany, but you, audience. <laughs> you sound off and tell us what you think about this. Because it's certainly a complex issue. So on the same track, talking about crazies, or what was the word you used? Fanatical. Fanatical. God, that's even more perfect. Uh, friend of the show, Michelle Bachman is in the news news again she appeared on a radio program called faith and liberty talk show yes and the host's name is dave garrison dave garrison who hosts a a christian what's the name of it again 
Faith and Liberty talk show. Faith and Liberty, which is obviously um, euphemistic for mixing politics and religion. I bet that he is a flaming liberal atheist. (laughs) I'm sure he is. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) So Michelle Bachman appeared on his show and what is her pet subject that she is completely and utterly obsessed with? Poverty in children. Oh, wait. Nope. (laughs) Good guess, though. That you would think that that would, you know, she's a Christian because clearly Jesus was obsessed with the poor and the the helpless. But no, wait, that's not what modern Christians worry about. They worry about homos. (laughs) It's very odd, right? Very odd. So I'm just, I'll tell you what, we'll just jump right into this. One of my previous guests said that the way immorality, which is what you're talking about, gets in the culture is first they argue for tolerance then acceptance, and then celebration. And I added that after celebration, there is intolerance for those who disagree with their immoral positions. Does this seem the way the gay rights advocates have treated people with a Christian worldview or people who disagree with them? That's where we are now. As a matter of fact, we see that in legislation being pushed all across the United States to punish people who don't agree with that viewpoint. And I think that's that's very reflective of where we are at in the culture and why we see the rise of tyranny. Goddamn. This is going to be a series of clips that are easy peasy to pick apart because all she does is throw out words and say things like, well, I think this and with no backup, no citations, no pulling facts to back up her opinion. And in this case, the host talks about you know, after celebration, then intolerance. After you're celebrated for your differences or whatever, you know, celebrate diversity, that whole line, then it's, oh, we're intolerant of you. But so he's angry that people aren't in agreement with his intolerance. Yeah. So that's what he's calling intolerance of him. Oh, you're intolerant of me. You're intolerant of me that I'm trying to turn this back to the 1940s (laughs) where gays had to be completely closeted for fear of sometimes physical retribution, oftentimes physical retribution. It's really logical. It doesn't make any fucking sense at all. I think it's funny that she talks about uh, punishing those who disagree. That was my next point on my thing. (laughs) Because who who's being punished? I don't I don't understand. Uh, Is this this like a variation on the Christians are discriminated against argument? Exactly. Because she's the one who's punishing people by trying to prevent them from getting married. It's exactly what I was just saying about um, her just throwing out words. Yeah. No one's being punished. The only people that are being punished are those who are not afforded the same rights and privileges of everybody else. Yeah. We have what's called the Equal Protection Clause in the Constitution, where everybody is equally protected under the law. And if one group is afforded something, some right that the other group is not, that is not equal protection. Oh, it's not? Mm, Nope. If one person has this and another person doesn't, that's not equal? Oh, that's weird. Not relative to rights, no. Yeah. (laughs) But, you know, she's a lawyer, so she obviously knows the law better than than I do. Mm. Yeah. I don't think so. She's super smart. Mm. Mm-hmm. No? Not not a fan? Well, we'll just keep going, and you everybody will see that pretty clearly. Our at the culture and why we see the rise of tyranny. It's the basis for hate speech laws across yeah. the United States. 
it, 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 uh, it is an attempt to have government coerce enforce speech and behavior. Let me say that again. This is an effort to have government coerce force speech and behavior, and it's being pushed and advocated by the gay community. This is their ultimate goal, is to not allow for diversity of opinion on this issue because they don't want to be celebrated. They want to force everyone to not only agree with them but also have to finance their agenda. And they also believe that they have the right, David, to determine on a near-daily basis what their agenda is. Today, the big push is on transgender. And so they're continuing to push us down the road. I believe that we're going to see coming an effort uh, for uh, multiples in marriage, not just two, but multiples in marriage. I think they want to legalize that. So she says, let me say that again. This is an effort to have government coerce force speech and behavior. Is she talking about her legislation like to prevent people from marrying, or what is she talking about there? I, I have no idea. You never know with Michelle Bachman what the fuck she's actually talking about because it's she's not quite as bad as, as uh, Sarah Palin, but it's goddamn close. Because she's talking about government coercing, forcing speech, and forcing behavior. So... Preventing people from marrying, is that forcing behavior? I mean, that's forcing, preventing people from doing something. It's it's exactly the same fucking thing. Yeah. It, if you're not allowing them to do what they want to do, you are forcing their behavior. Yeah. But she won't look at it that way. I, I, I took issue with, with, she's talking about diversity of opinion and how the gays aren't allowing diversity of opinion. It's not the diversity of opinion that, that I have a problem with. And I, that I'm, I, I don't know that I can speak for the gay agenda, but, but also the diversity of opinion that the, the gays take issue with is it's not the diversity of opinion. It's that when you are in a position of power and your opinion, your diverse opinion is driving public policy with your vote, that's different. When you have a specific religious belief, you believe in this particular flavor of mythology, and it controls and writes public policy that oppresses another a, a certain group, that's the problem. That's not just a diversity of opinion. That's you oppressing another group. And if your ability to not oppress that group is taken away that's not you being held down that's that's justice yeah and then where did she come up with this multiple marriage thing uh, that was a loss for me is well, there really a a movement in the gay agenda to allow multiple marriage well i think it's what we talked about on the polygamy episode which is she just like other republicans and other conservatives goes into the argument of, well, when gay marriage becomes a thing, what's next? Right, right. It's going to be multiple marriage. It's going to be bestiality. I, I believe that, not the bestiality thing. I do believe that, that polygamy will be the next thing. And I've said I'm okay with that. I don't fucking care. But she's saying that the gays, that's their agenda. Mm -hmm. That's what they want next. I, I've never heard that. Yeah, I've never heard In that In fact, either. I've heard the opposite. I've heard a lot of people, a lot of gays say they don't, want that yes and that's i think wacky well it's just kind of 
why does it matter? I mean, that's kind of what I keep. I used to not want it as well, but then I watched Big Love on HBO. I know I'm so easily, <laughs> you know, my opinion just changes so easily. I'm going to watch Bill O'Reilly tonight or something and become a flaming Republican. But I, I don't think so. Um, you know, it doesn't matter. And Michelle Bachman's making a big deal about it. It none of it matters. Why don't you just, you know, worry about yourself? Yeah. Let people do what they want to do here. I think it's very also super amusing that she says that, you know, and they also get to decide what their agenda is from moment to moment. Well, who else is going to decide what a group's agenda is other than the fucking group? Yeah. You're getting to decide what your agenda, Michelle Bachman, is. The gay community is not deciding what your agenda is. Well, I think she's criticizing people who change their mind. Uh, you know, maybe you should not base all your beliefs on some archaic book and just hold staunch to your ar archaic belief system. As things change, our opinions on things should change, right? Yeah. So moving on. Uh, for uh, multiples in marriage, not just two, but multiples in marriage. I think they want to legalize that. I think also they want to uh, abolish age of consent laws, which means children, uh, children would, we would do away with statutory rape laws so that adults would be able to freely prey on little children sexually. That's the deviance that we're seeing embraced in our culture today. So she goes into detail right there. Starting with, I think. I think they want to do away with. I think they want to abolish the age of consent. Yes. Doesn't have any backup for it. Just fucking says it. You'd think that she would have a little bit more responsibility being a public figure, being in the government, and going on a show and talking about what the intent of a group is. You should be talking about factual things, not saying, well, I think, and making bold claims. It amazes me. That she's in office, for one, but also it scares me to I would like to know the makeup of her congressional district. Yeah. Who are these fucking whack jobs that are electing her term after term after term? Who is it, Minnesota? God damn. Fess up. She's saying that what she's doing there, it's a sly way to equate not even a sly way. It's a fucking egregious way to equate homosexuals and pedophiles. Yeah. She she's a terrible wretch of a fucking human being who's being elected to federal national office. She chairs a committee in the Congress which has responsibility for driving public policy. Yeah, and I just want to talk about kind of what Glad has said on this issue and then what Human Rights Campaign says on this yeah, issue. Yeah, please do. When asked whether Glad had worked to weaken the age of consent laws, spokesman Rich Ferrero responded, Not Glad. I have not heard of anything like that, and there is nothing I know of presently either. On that same question, Fred Sains of Human Rights Campaign says, the answer to your question is absolutely not. Sheer fantasy on the part of an irresponsible individual prone toward the false and bombastic. Awesome. That guy might be the new Christopher Hitchens. <laughs> <laughs> that is beautiful prose right there. Yeah. I also think it's interesting that she says that's the deviance we are seeing embraced in our culture today, talking about abolishing the age of consent laws. 
essentially saying child molestation is the deviance we are seeing embraced in our culture today. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know where that's embraced. Who's embracing that? If anything, let's talk about who is always up in arms about uh, child sex abuse situations. Is Michelle Bachman vocal about the Catholic Church abuse of children? I haven't heard her say anything. I've never heard her say anything. In fact, I searched Google for it, and I didn't find a single thing that she has ever said on the Catholic Church and how it has orchestrated the abuse of children systematically covered it up i mean if not promulgated it absolutely has hidden it from the public eye and let it go on and michelle bachman like many other christians remains quiet on that issue right and it's typically atheists that you will hear coming out and speaking about that and where is she talking about the abuse of children it is not embraced and there are many people who are outspoken about the issue. Yeah, it's, it's she's con- she's confusing like gay rights advocacy groups with NAMBLA. Yeah, fucking the North American Man Boy Love Association. Yeah, it's not which NAMBLA. Isn't a gay advocacy group or a gay rights group? No, it's a child molesters fucking party is what that is. And fuck them, they should all be imprisoned. And I've never read anything positive about NAMBLA. I've never seen anyone speak positively about yeah. NAMBLA. So scientist Michelle Bachman continues. You've been really critical of the Supreme Court over the Windsor decision on DOMA, Defense of Marriage Act. And I think I heard you say something along the lines of their ruling, in essence, denied equal protection for every America. Am I stating your views correctly? Well, it is a denial of equal protection for all Americans. And I know we don't have very much time at this point in your show to sure. maybe thresh all of that out. I just want to say that I do believe that marriage is between a man and a woman. And this is a revolution that we are encountering now as well. For all the thousands of years of recorded human history, about 5,000 years, there is no instance of any culture, nation, or tribe ever having as the established standard for marriage anything other than between man and woman. It may have been multiple women and a man. It may have been something like that, but it was always between men and women. It wasn't until the year 2000 that the world has has embarked on this radical experiment of marriage between other than man and woman. I think that nature tells us, our biology tells us, that marriage is between man and woman. And our Bible. That's right. When we tamper with something that was generated by the creator of the universe, I think there are profound consequences that we haven't yet realized. That's why this matters. It matters very important for the subsequent generations that we are charged with rearing. So what they're talking about there relative to the denial of equal protection, that she's saying, no, absolutely, the government is denying equal protection to all the people. She's saying that because she's not allowed to discriminate against homosexuals, that equal protection is not taking place. The government isn't protecting her right to to discriminate against gays. Equal protection is not being, is not happening in our, and is being supported by the, by, by the, the, the Supreme Court. Yeah. Goddamn. It just, it's such a fucking twisting of what is going on. You don't have a right to discriminate against certain people based on certain things. Yeah. It's 
And also the fact that she's a Christian and would she's up in arms about who she's not allowed to discriminate, a.k.a. hate. Yeah. Fucking just ludicrous. I think it's interesting that she's, you know, framing her argument from a point that she believes it's one man, one woman, because that's what's always been done, except for also the polygamy that has gone on throughout history and that has been wildly common throughout all kinds of cultures. So if polygamy is also a traditional type of marriage, then why in clip two that we just played was she taking issue with the fact that that's the next step, that plural marriage, right. it's a traditional method of marriage. What's the problem? Right. Well, it's not, it's not, it's not, first of all, it has been wildly popular, but it's been wild to the, to the degree that it was done where they have hundreds of, wi of, of wives. Not seven wives or two wives, hundreds. These biblical stalwarts, David, Abraham, Solomon, that was a biblical standard. So why would this Christian, this wonderful Christian woman, have such a problem with a biblical standard of marriage, which is men can have as many wives as they want because the wife is subservient. Yeah. Ugh. It's just, it's very strange and it's inconsistent. The other thing that bothers me, sorry, the other thing that bothers me is that she's whining that the government is denying to enforce her religious beliefs. That upsets her that the, that the Supreme Court is not backing up her religious belief. I mean, where would she be if they were backing up and enforcing a Muslim religious belief? She would be all fucking up in arms about it. Of course. But because it's her personal religious belief that's not being enforced by the Supreme Court, she's bothered. Even if it was, you know, Mormons or Scientology, any other religion, if they were involved in orchestrating some kind of legislation based on their religious practices, she would be losing her mind. I think she already lost her mind. Well, yeah, it's probably. clearly fucking gone. We need to stand up and as believers not be afraid to speak the truth. Don't be intimidated. There's no reason to be. This is something where we're, we're, our message is to spread goodness and joy and wholeness and healing. And we do that through a loving God with a message that frees people. It doesn't enslave people. So should we, we shouldn't fear uh, giving out this very good word, because like your show is all about, it takes these concepts for the purpose of bringing liberty, joy, healing, wholeness, and a fresh way of thinking for people's lives. That's why we're here. That's why we should be encouraged. We should never give up. The God of the universe ultimately wins in the end, and we should be willing to partner with him. He is so much more powerful than the evil that we see unleashed upon the world today. Yeah, so a couple of things. She says uh, there's no reason to be afraid, right? So there's no reason to be afraid. Speak up, Christians. Right. Say what's right. Of course, there's no reason to be afraid. You're in the majority. You're the, not the vast majority. Yes, you're not discriminated against, as we always talk about with the Pew Research on religious groups. Christians are among the most positively rated religious group in America. They are not discriminated against. That's absolutely right. And so, of course, there's no reason to be afraid. You know, atheists and Muslims, the people that are rated the most negative, they are the ones who should be afraid to speak up. And who are also in the vast minority. Yes, because they are the ones who 
you know, Americans do not view favorably. But also, I think it's funny that she talks about God is so much more powerful than the evil being released on the world today. So then why doesn't she just sit back and let him take care of it? He's God. I mean, he, he's, he he's, should be taking care of biz, right? He's powerful. He's more powerful than the evil that's being released in the world today. Uh, then he'll take care of it. She, she also, goddamn, I wish she would listen to what the fuck she says. If she would listen to the words that she's speaking, she might shut the fuck up. She also talks about, as Christians, th that they should be spreading goodness and joy and healing and liberty and wholeness. When is she going to start doing that? <laughs> when a is great she, question. When is she going to start spreading goodness and joy? I cannot wait for it to start. When will it start? Because when I think of Michelle Bachman and Marcus Bachman, I don't think of goodness and joy. No. I think of oppression. Yes. And hate. Anger. And anger. Hostility. Yeah, anger, yeah. Fucking bizarre. And bitterness. She's very bitter. Very, very bitter. And also delusional, probably. It's also interesting that how that they how they frame the a homo, the, the, this whole homosexual this quote unquote gay agenda. It's the lifestyle. That yeah, they, the gay lifestyle. Yeah, that's it. They keep using that phrase, and I, I want to read um, a segment of a quote from our listener Ben, who has interacted with our Facebook page, and Ben says that. There seems to be, and this is a, I'm going to kind of, it, it's for the most part a quote, kind of a paraphrase. He says that there, there seems to be a huge disconnect in how people who identify as LGBT define their lifestyle and how people who are far removed from the lifestyle define the LGBT lifestyle. From my experience in working in this community, it is just outlandish that people like these people, like like Brian Fisher, like Michelle Bachman, how they characterize the lifestyle by one single bedroom act. To be frank, the idea of the LGBT lifestyle, quote unquote, seems idiotic to me because these people, these humans, are living the same way I'm living. The only difference is who they might or might not love. It just seems offensive and sophomoric to characterize a lifestyle by sex. Yeah, that's great. Very, very poignant. And it applies directly to these two morons who are having this back and forth jerk off fest on this Christian radio show who are just essing each other's D's. <laughs> and I'm sure Michelle Bachman's D is huge over over their opinions and how they're being persecuted by the rest of the country. Yeah. And I think Ben makes a great point, because when we talk about straight people, and their lifestyle, there's so many different kinds of straight people. They have all different kinds of lives, different jobs, and they're not defined by, you know, what they do in the bedroom. That's exactly right. But when people talk about homosexuals, it's a one-track thing. They're defined by what they do in the bedroom. Right. Well, there's also, the, there's never the talk of heterosexual couples that perform or engage in anal sex. Yeah. Uh, what about them? Yeah, it's what we talked about with the guy on the last episode or maybe two episodes ago that wants to legislate sodomy laws. And, well, sodomy also includes oral sex. Right. So you don't, you don't partake, sir? Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> I think you do. Goddamn. These people fucking listen to what you say. Listen to the words that are spilling out of your dirty puke hole. Oh, wow. Goddamn. Yeah. Goddamn. 
All right, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna get off of Michelle Bachman because I was gonna say Marcus Bachman just did, but it's clearly I mean I he did not just get off of Michelle Bachman. However many kids they have, that's how many times they've had sex. I'm not saying that Mich- Marcus Bachman is a homosexual who's afraid to come out of the closet. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that when I think of a homosexual who's afraid to come out of the closet for whatever reason, I picture Marcus Bachman. Mm, mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, logical. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. All right, we're going to move on. We're going to move on to a- another disgusting thing. Moving on from Michelle Bachman, disgusting, to another disgusting story of a 10-year-old sex toy that was stuck in someone's vagina and they didn't know it was there. Yeah, and now everyone's probably wondering, wait, are you serious? Is this actually something that can happen? I did not think it could happen. I <laughs> I would be in that group that thought this was complete bullshit and an impossibility, especially when we get into the story and find out just how big this object was. Yeah, a 38-year-old Scottish woman who complained to doctors about weight loss, incontinence, and lethargy had a sex toy inside her vagina that had been in place for 10 years. Okay, keep going. This, this is, is great. This is according <laughs> This is according to a report in the Journal of Sexual Medicine. Surgeons at a hospital removed the 5-inch toy, reporting Hang on. <laughs> Surgeons removed the five-inch toy. At least it wasn't 12 inches. A five-inch sex toy was stuffed up her snooch for a decade, and she was unaware of it, while for that same decade continuing to have sex with her partner. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah, so the surgeons removed it and reported that it had caused the woman near-life-threatening damage. You think? (laughs) She had a condition that causes a passage that allows urine to flow into the vagina, as well as an obstructive uropathy, which causes urine to become backed up in the kidneys. So, some serious things were going on. Odd that a five-inch sex toy would cause a blockage. (laughs) Yeah, the woman said she used the toy one drunken night with her partner a decade ago and that she couldn't remember whether she had removed it. And now she knows. According to the Journal of Sexual... Now we all know. Yeah. According to the Journal of Sexual Medicine, she can now claim the dubious honor of having held a sex toy in her vagina for a longer time than anybody else in the world. Congratulations. Shocking. Unbelievable. Yeah, I've I've heard other stories personally about things like this. Apparently, there are pictures online, but th- the object is indistinguishable, so you you can't tell exactly what it is. Well, it's like an X-ray. I was dying to know what the fuck it was. Yeah. Because goddamn. Yeah, it's a bad situation. But but you've heard, you're familiar with these type of these type of deals. I've heard a story through some people about someone who was a drug user and had a tampon in her vagina and had sex with her partner with the tampon in which I don't know how that works. I don't I don't either. Apparently they were just super loaded or something. Apparently he has a needle dick. I don't know. And 
she, you know, had lost it in there. And a couple of months later, when there was, you know, some smells going on, she she went to the doctor and they picked it out of her vagina. They found it. I've heard of, that's gross. Yeah. First of all. Um, (laughs) Second of all, I've heard of condoms being left up there. Yeah. Lost and eaten. Lost. I don't know about eaten. That's yikes yeah no but, i don't mean eaten by i'm talking about eaten by the vagina okay well we are on fucking thin ice right now <laughs> this is terrible oh, i would dear. not be surprised if itunes just yanks the show <laughs> off the feed altogether and like sends us an email and says yeah look hey we gotta tell you something we listened to that last one yeah that's nah that's too much. You know what? We're just making everyone feel better about themselves by telling these <laughs> stories, though, because they're realizing how normal and healthy they are. See, this is a woman who probably shouldn't have had, shouldn't have kids. Because imagine her having a kid, it gets squeezed out, and it's holding whatever sex toy <laughs> in its little mitts when it comes out. I don't think that the sex... I found! I don't think that it was, uh... I don't know what I was going to say. <laughs> I think that I'm so horrified by this discussion that I'm just, my thoughts are flying through my head, but uh, obviously she didn't have kids in the 10 years because it would have come flying out, right? I, who, how was anything going in with that five inch second? How yeah, I, big is the situation in there? I don't know. I guess they don't talk about really where it was too. Like This is a woman who would have been great working inside of a gang in prison and being able to smuggle in drugs because there's it's obviously very cavernous and she's got a sitch down there oh so it was protruding into her bladder from her vagina so she probably had to pee all the time that's why she was experiencing incontinence but she had only been experiencing it for a few weeks so apparently you know the longer it was in there the more it moved around probably and started just causing a bunch of problems yeah that's a bad sitch all right, we're done. We're done with that. We it's are... good that she remembered also having the sex toy uh, 10 years ago with her partner. Like, she remembers it. She It probably came out and she's like, oh, hey, there you were. I was wondering I was where you've been, old friend. I was looking friend. all over the place for that thing. Yeah. All right, here we are. Another another segment of Florida Files. And in this Florida Files... It deals with another elected representative, goddamn. Being a super smart guy. Being super smart. And listen, I don't want this show to be that show that constantly picks on Republicans, even though it's very easy. But I think it's just as easy on the on the Democratic side. Florida Republican. Kurt Clausen is his name. And this was at a congressional hearing of the House Foreign Affairs Committee. He misidentified two senior U.S. government officials as representatives of the Indian government. <laughs> and they were introduced yes, as members of the senior officials of the State Department. Yeah, the two officials whose names I'm not going to attempt to pronounce. This is probably part of the problem of why he thought they were Indian. Right, right. Um, they are Americans who hold senior positions at the State Department and Commerce Department, although both of them were introduced as U.S. officials by the chairman of the Asia and Pacific Subcommittee, 
Clausen repeatedly asked them questions about, quote, your country and your government in reference to the state of India. He said, quote, I'm familiar with your country. I love your country. Anything I can do to make the relationship with India better, I'm willing and enthusiastic about doing so. So apparently he was confused by their names and their skin color. Fucking, <laughs> it's one of those gaffes. A lot of times congressmen, they get up there and it's the one time where, they're on C-SPAN and the cameras are rolling and they get a, you know, it's their bully pulpit. It's like me in, in behind this microphone right now. They get to say what they want to say and they lose sight of all reason and logic and they just act like fucking idiots. Yeah, so he continued, just as your capital is welcome here to produce good-paying jobs in the U.S., I'd like our capital to be welcome there, he said. I ask cooperation and commitment from priority from your government in doing so. Can I have that? And the question was uh, met with a lengthy pause and look of confusion from the State Department and the congressional staff attending the hearing. And one of the officials said, I think your question is to the Indian government. We certainly share your sentiment and we certainly will advocate that on behalf of the U.S. <laughs> well, awkward. That must have been the person who works for the State Department because that was a very diplomatic answer. I would have said something like, hey, dickbag, your government, that's my, that's your government, asshole. Yeah, your government, your country. Yeah, we're it's, from the same place, yeah, guy. We're, I'm an American, and I work for the American government, you douche. Yeah. Not... You, or they could have said, what are you, from Florida? You yeah. fucking moron. <laughs> yes. And he's from Florida. Well, with that little gem, we are going to wrap it up this has been episode 41 which is man we are just they're screaming by i guess that happens when you do two a week yes i would like for sure to remind you to subscribe on itunes or stitcher or whatever specific conveyance you use to listen to the show go there and subscribe rate and review the show itunes that gets us into the new and noteworthy section we might not be new i guess we're relatively new but we are certainly noteworthy and we'd like the recognition for it. So help us out there. If you've already reviewed, get one of your friends to review. Get them to listen to the show. Get them to subscribe. We love you and appreciate you. Every single one. Go to dollamore.com. If you're going to spend your money on Amazon anyway to buy a book or a greeting card for little Danny Nickerson, you can find his address on our Facebook page. That would be awesome. Look that story up. Very heartwarming. For Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollimore, and this has been I Doubt. Bring liberty, joy, healing, wholeness, and a fresh way of thinking for people's lives.